asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. All right, Joel, it's time for a listener questions episode. And we've discussed this before. But listener questions are, are, they might be our favorite episodes because it, it links us directly to our listeners where we're able to specifically answer questions that they have when it comes to their, their personal finances. So I'm excited that we've got some great questions on this episode. Specifically, we're going to talk about high yield checking accounts. We've got a question from a listener here in Atlanta, and he's asking what to do with money uh, that he has, and he's going to be coming straight out of college. And we're also going to answer a question about cash value life insurance. And that's not something we often talk about. So I'm looking forward to those three plus two others. Yeah, man, we're going to get to them. And I do love the listener questions episodes. They're always fun. But before we get to the actual questions, Matt, there was an article I saw in Morningstar, which is just this awesome publication where they dedicate all of their resources to, to talking about investing and investing well. And one of the investments that many of us choose to make at different points in time is investing money inside of a 529 plan for our kids' college future. And they had a really great article uh, just the other day asking the question, does your state's 529 plan pay for itself? And they kind of went into the investment fees that are incurred when you invest in some of these state plans. And they also talked about the state tax benefits that some of these plans offer too. And so I think it's really important for any of our listeners out there who have had the idea, who've had the thought that, that maybe I do want to invest for my kids' future. Well, you should do some digging 
before you make the, the default choice just to invest inside of your state's 529 plan offering because you might find that that opening up a 529 with another state's uh, 529 plan uh, that you're going to have better investment options that have lower fees and in particular Matt a couple of the ones that offer the absolute lowest fees are Utah and Ohio and so a lot of people that don't have a state tax benefit attached to their 529 plan they should consider opening up a 529 account through one of those states that has massively prioritized the consumer and and and, uh, passing on low cost to them. Yeah, man. And one of the things that's really cool about this study that Morningstar, uh, that they identified within the study is that there are nine states where the benefits that you receive from being in state and going with your local plan, that those benefits outweigh the additional costs of their plan for all 18 years that you could be saving for your kid's education. And so if you happen to live in one of those states, that's actually a huge win. So you don't necessarily have to go looking outside of your state. Uh, and you know, like you mentioned, we'll link to this article. Uh, we won't go through and list all those states necessarily. But we want our listeners to be aware that these are options to them. And Joel, one other thing that that they mentioned in the study that I thought was interesting is that they said that most people don't start saving for their kids' 529 plans until they're at least seven years old. And so in those cases, you don't necessarily even need to have the full 18 years worth of expenses covered. You're looking at fewer years because obviously uh, you're getting a later start. My oldest isn't quite yet seven years old, and I will be getting a later start as well <laughs> if we were to, uh, to to fund a 529. We haven't talked about 529s in a while. Do you think that's something uh, you and Emily are going to get started for your kids? You know, th- there's definitely more of a likelihood now than when we first talked about it. I, I don't know, maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And it's not just because my oldest is just about to reach that magical age <laughs> of seven, <laughs> but it, it just truly is that we feel comfortable with how much we've been able to, to save at this point for retirement. We feel like we've kind of accomplished a goal in that. And so I feel more ready to, to start investing for my kids' future and for their college future. Whereas, you know, just two or three years ago, I wasn't in that boat. I wanted to continue to pile more money into my own retirement accounts because for everybody out there listening, that should be your number one priority. You shouldn't feel obligated necessarily to save for your kids' college, although it can be a really nice thing to do for your kids. Uh, but, but the number one priority for so many reasons, and we've talked about it before, Matt, is your own retirement because there aren't any scholarships for retirement, right? But there, but there are for college. <laughs> Yeah, that's right, man. Uh, the illustration that we've always given is that it's like when you're on a plane, or not as much these days, but when you are on a plane and they're going through the safety demonstration and when the mask falls down, they say, make sure that you take care of yourself before you help your kids. Because if you're not getting oxygen yourself, you're not going to be of any help to any of those around you. And obviously, it might be tough for your kid to get a mask on you if you're passed out. So, <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine my little nine-month-old trying to put that mask on me? That'd be fun. Just reaching up, smacking you in the face. <laughs> All right, Matt, let's uh, move on to the beer that we're having on the show today. This beer is called Blanky Kong, and it's by Savannah River Brewing Company. It's a tropical IPA, and this is a brewery out of your home city of Augusta, Georgia. That's right, and I've never been to this brewery, so I'm excited to have my first beer from Savannah River Brewing Company. Maybe next time Kate and I go visit my folks sneak away for a little brewery date. Who knows? That sounds nice. And by the way, big thanks to listener Jeff who sent this one our way. All right, Matt, let's get on to the matter at hand. We're going to take some listener questions. And for folks that want to submit their own question for the show, well, we'd love to hear it and hopefully feature it on an upcoming episode. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. There are super simple directions there for you to submit your voice question for us to take on an upcoming episode. All right, Matt, let's get to the first question. This one is about buying real estate when you live in an expensive city. Hey, guys. My name is Phil. Thanks for taking my question. I live outside of Los Angeles and my wife and I are interested in investing in real estate. 
We see the 1% rule as a common guideline for investors to know whether a property is going to work, work out or not profitably compared to other types of investments. But here in Southern California, that's pretty impossible to find, at least right now. And so I'm wondering, is there ever a time or a way that purchasing a property that does not meet the 1% rule will actually make sense? Uh, we aren't comfortable at this time investing out of our market. We like the idea of investing in our local town or area, but it's just very expensive. So if you could answer that, that would be great. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hey, Phil, thanks so much for that question. And ooh, Southern California. Uh, California is a different ball game altogether when it comes to real estate, that's for sure. So 1%, that's a great rule of thumb, but it definitely doesn't work everywhere, right? And, and in some places like Montgomery, Alabama or the Midwest, there in the heartland, uh, you should easily be looking to exceed 1%. And real quick, for those who may not have heard of the 1% rule before, the way it works is actually really simple. Uh, the 1% rule is when you should be able to receive 1% of the purchase price of the home in monthly rent. Yeah, that's a good back of the envelope figure to have when you're beginning to assess a rental property. And when I see a listing and I see that it's in the range of the 1% rule, for instance, it's a $120,000 house that I could potentially get uh, $1,200 a month in rent for, then I know I'm on the right track. And it's something I want to keep looking into. Uh, but first, for you specifically, Phil, and for everyone out there listening, you want to make sure that you're not getting the cart before the horse. And it's not on the recording, but Phil actually mentioned to us in his email that he and his family, they're doing great maxing out their other retirement accounts. That is awesome. If that weren't the case, especially living in a high cost market, we would suggest doing that first, taking the easy route and putting your money in those tax advantage retirement accounts like the one you might have through work or a Roth IRA. That would be our first suggestion before you kind of go down the real estate rabbit hole. Yeah, sort of like we just talked about uh, with 529 plans. There's an order of investing. There's a hierarchy that you kind of want to follow. And Phil, also, you know, when it comes to investing in an expensive city, Unfortunately, your main avenue for wealth building will be appreciation, not monthly income. And you know that monthly cash flow, it's a huge part of why we like real estate. So it's a bummer, but in really expensive cities, the rent likely won't fully cover your mortgage. And so that's sort of a, another check in the box against real estate investing in expensive cities. Aha, but Phil's not dead in the water on this, I don't think. No. I think there are options. So let's kind of go over what we think would make it possible to actually invest when you do live in a, a high cost city. We think that multifamily properties become even more important in your consideration when you're looking to invest. That can potentially help up that income generation, Matthew, you were talking about, the, the cash flow. It, it may not appreciate as quickly because multifamily properties typically don't, but the increased revenue should make up for it. And it's also even more important to buy a property that you can improve yourself and essentially force equity into that property, right? By doing renovations, landscaping, uh, it's important to get creative. But that's something every real estate investor should be looking into. If you're only looking at the homes with beautiful pictures and you're hoping to make that work, well, then the likelihood of making a successful real estate transaction where you're actually going to make money is a whole lot less. If you're looking at the uh, the ugly homes that maybe smell like a dead animal was, was in there. I mean, seriously, the uglier the home, the more issues going on. The stinkier the home. Exactly. The, the better. The more likely you're going to get a, a good deal and that you're going to be able to actually reap some profit from it. So I would definitely make sure Phil looks in that direction and he's not just looking at the nice cute homes nearby where, where he lives probably. That everybody is looking at. Right. Yeah. And so I like what you said there, Joel, about just getting creative. It makes me think of the last investment property that uh, Kate and 
I purchased. Uh, it was kind of weird. It, it didn't have a dining room because what had happened at some point, maybe 30 years ago, someone had converted the dining room into another bedroom. And so it was great that it was a three bedroom, two bath, but no dining room, which felt really weird. However, what this house did have going for it is just adjacent to the kitchen was a section of the back deck that was completely covered by the roof. And so we managed to see the potential that hey, we could enclose that space and that could become the dining room. And so we were able to, you know, A, open up the wall there to that portion of the covered deck. And then we enclosed that space all together, finish out the floor, got a proper interior floor in there, you know, all that kind of stuff. And now that's a massive kitchen with this nice little eat-in breakfast nook area off to the side where you can have a full-size table. Because there wasn't plumbing involved, the costs were relatively low. Uh, and we greatly increased the utility of that house. Uh, and it wasn't this weird thing where we had to tell potential renters that, oh yeah, you've got to put your, your little dining room like right here, right in the middle of the kitchen. It's kind of awkward. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And something else to mention too, is that, you know, we say that this is something that you do yourself. And what we mean by that is that you just make sure the work happens after you purchase it. We're not necessarily saying that you have to actually, you know, do the hammering, do the drywall, do the framing. You don't need to do all that yourself. Yeah. You you can save more money. You can, (laughs) but if that's not what you normally do, it's probably best to to leave that to the pros. Yeah. I mean, I'm not tackling that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty handy, but I am not willing to, yeah, construct new walls and expect them to be standing within a couple years. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, Matt, I think to to be a landlord, to get into the real estate game, you do have to be willing to do a little bit of the legwork yourself. And in particular, that often means being able to see the potential in a house as well. And one of the key requirements, I think, of a real estate investor is probably a little bit of optimism. It's really helpful to be a little bit of an optimist. And when you're looking for properties, Phil, I would say look for lower priced pockets of properties on the fringes of town, in particularly in an expensive city, right? And think about what neighborhoods might be the next neighborhood to experience a renaissance or to see people flocking to move in there. There's often like this domino-like effect as neighborhoods change. So look to the still mostly undesirable locations, uh, neighborhoods, right around the corner from the neighborhood that's currently experiencing revitalization. Often you're going to pay a much lower price than you would two neighborhoods over, but at the same time, there's a lot of upside. And in particular, because you might be looking to invest more for appreciation than cash flow, you're really going to want to be particular about the specific neighborhoods you choose to invest in. Yeah. And so just like we're looking for potential in individual homes, you're also looking for potential when it comes to parts of town, right? Like, so if you know, for instance, that there's this pretty great underrated park, you know, near this neighborhood that maybe hasn't appreciated quite as much. That's a good sign, right? Uh, but at the same time, we don't want you to speculate. You know, if, if you're buying in an area that you have high hopes for, like it still needs to be a solid property that's cash flowing. Uh, but I personally would be willing to accept a little bit less than 1% if you feel really good about an area. You know, you can just crunch the numbers. Uh, and what I would do too is compare your ROI versus what you'd likely be able to get if you were to take that money, that down payment, and put it in the stock market. By looking at the numbers, that might actually make your decision a lot easier for you, unless you're really wanting real estate to kind of be a part of your life, right? Unless you're looking for that kind of lifestyle that real estate might be able to provide for you long term. Yeah, it's important too, Matt. You just said long term. And if Phil buys this property, he needs to be willing to own it for the long term because transaction costs in real estate are incredibly high. And so if you buy something and you realize this isn't for me, uh, I don't really like being a landlord. And again, that's another thing Phil is going to need to consider is being the landlord is not hiring a property management company because they're going to take a cut. And when margins are already thin, that's just another expense that that means he's probably not going to be cash flow positive 
positive. So Phil, take all those things into consideration. Best of luck. We hope you are able to buy some real estate uh, in the city where you live and the appreciation upside could be great, even though the, the monthly cash flow might be minimal. Nice. All right, Joel, we've got several more questions, uh, including one we didn't mention. We are going to take a question from the youngest listener ever, I think, to have ever written into the show. We're going to get to that one. uh, And we're going to get to high yield checking accounts, some life insurance. We're going to get to all that right after the break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. 
Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, Matt, we're back from the break. And I'm always surprised at the amount of people that don't know <laughs> that they shouldn't be banking with one of the big banks and that they should instead be banking with an online bank or potentially even a brokerage account. That's what this next question is about. Hey guys, uh, my name's Chris. I'm living in Baltimore, Maryland right now, but hopefully, you know, later in the summer, I'll move back to the Washington, D.C. area where I'm from. I am a pretty new listener. I love your podcast. And I just had a question. Uh, I've been doing research into my checkings account, and I'm thinking I want to make a change. Right now, I'm just in a Capital One 360 account, and I'm thinking about making a change to Ch- Charles Schwab's uh high yield checking account uh would you recommend a high yield checking account and you know what's the difference between a high yield checking account and just the -the run-of-the-mill checking account that uh most of us uh use uh thanks guys hey chris thanks so much for the question and let's talk about checking and savings accounts as well that's not something you specifically highlighted but we're going to make sure that we we touch on that as well but uh you mentioned schwab they in particular you know they do have one of the best banking options out there not necessarily because of their rates but because their benefits are so solid uh you know i think schwab actually started the uh, the no fee atm withdrawals so you know if you do tend to grab cash frequently this is a huge perk. You know, you also won't incur uh, any monthly fees like you would with most of the big banks. A lot of the online banks these days are making sure that they're taking care of all the fees for you. And Schwab in particular, they have no foreign transaction fees if you're going to use uh, their debit card either. So this is a, a legit great option if you're going to be looking to get money out of an ATM overseas. Yeah, man. Most people don't think about investment companies for banking, right? We're, we're typically uh, inundated with ads for the big banks, which is why most people end up going there. And maybe sometimes if you're spending some time on YouTube or Hulu, you might see an ad for an online bank and you're like, huh, okay, maybe I'll check that out. But most people avoid them. But you never see ads, it seems like, for the the brokerage companies that have actually really good banking services. And Schwab is one of them, Fidelity's another. SoFi and Wealthfront are kind of newer uh, players in the space too, and they've got great options as well. So Matt, ultimately, I think you and I both think that more people should consider actually doing banking with the, the company that they invest through. Totally, man. And, and also, too, I'm expecting to see maybe even more innovation coming from some of these online companies, right? As more players enter the market, they're all looking to, to get everyone's attention, right? Like they want their business. They want to stand out. Exactly. And so I'm hoping to see some really cool stuff in the future when it comes to some of these online banks, some of these brokerages as well. Uh, but Chris, let's talk specifically about the rate. You know, if the perks of the Schwab account, if that works well for you, then, you know, make that happen. But it's definitely worth noting that the current rate on Schwab's high yield investor savings account, it's almost a full one percent less than the capital one through 60 performance savings account you only mentioned the checking account so i'm not sure if you're aware that that's an option for you uh, but since you already have an account with capital one it might be easier just to hop on to your existing account open up a new account get that savings going and you'll get a lot of the digital online benefits that you would receive from schwab from capital one through 60 and again since you already have that checking account with capital one through 60 That could really make uh, a lot of your online banking really convenient. 
Yeah, and it'll probably take him two seconds to open up that other account, too, exactly. since they already know all about him. It's also important, too, to note that there is a pretty big difference in rates between high-interest savings and high-interest checking accounts, for the most part. So I personally keep more of my money in a high-yield savings account, and I move funds back and forth as needed uh, into the checking account when I'm writing a check or, or at the beginning of the month when I know that my mortgage payment's coming out of there. But it's really important, I would say, to have both, whether it's with the same institution or different institutions. And Matt, Capital One obviously is a great online bank. They've been around a long time, but we also love Ally. We love CIT. We love Discover. Those are other great online banks worth considering. And now, I mean, like we said too, the brokerage houses have great banking options. I mean, really, it's an embarrassment of riches that we we have when it comes to choice in the online banking space. Nice. Well, moving right along, man, let's get to our next question. This one is about life insurance. Hi, Joel. Hi, Matt. My name is Kina, and I'm calling to inquire about cash value life insurance policies. I opened up one last year as an investment tool. However, as I learned more about the cash value life insurance policy, I'm seeing it more as a negative light than as a long-term benefit for me. Do you believe that a cash value life insurance policy can be used as an investment tool or not? If so, why? Thank you. Kina, thanks for your question. By the way, you didn't say where you're from. I'm just going to assume that you are from Hawaii, right? Because that's where I wish I was right now. Why not, man? (laughs) (laughs) Kina from Hawaii. All right. Well, Kina, let's get to your question. And the question of can life insurance be used as an investment tool? The answer is yes. Cash value when it comes to a life insurance policy refers to the savings component that some permanent life insurance policies have. The cash value grows the longer you have the policy, and there are multiple types of life insurance policies, and they accrue cash value differently. So it it can get confusing depending on what particular type of life insurance policy you're looking at or what kind of life insurance policy you're being sold. Yeah. And Joel, so the reason you said sold is because cash value life insurance policies, they come with a lot more fees and commissions as well. Uh, They're being sold to you because whoever is selling it to you, like they make a buck. They stand to benefit. Yeah. So not to mention your monthly premiums, they're also going to be much more every single month than they would be with simple level term insurance. Not to mention your monthly premiums, they're going to be much more every single month than they would be with simple level term insurance. They can cost roughly 10 times as much. Uh, And also, almost half of people, they end up ditching these policies uh, within the first 10 years of the policy because of the exorbitant cost. Then you've kind of got the the worst of both worlds, right? You've paid too much. And then on top of that, you don't even have coverage. Yeah. So should life insurance be used as an investment tool? No, definitely no, because returns are much lower than investing in the market through tax-advantaged accounts, Kina, that you have access to. And there's only a small fraction of people where it makes sense to actually have a cash value life insurance plan. And that's typically people with incredibly high incomes who max out all of their other retirement accounts. And even then, you would want to talk to a financial advisor to make sure there weren't other things you should be doing before you considered one of these, right? That's because the goal of life insurance should be replacement of income for loved ones if you pass away, right? And term life insurance is the thing that does this the very best for the least amount of money. It just makes by far the most sense for 99% of people who are considering life insurance in order to take care of their families if they were to pass away prematurely. Yeah. And so what we'd recommend for the vast majority of folks listening to this is to think about your life insurance and investing completely separately. It's much simpler this way. And the products are going to be much easier to understand as well. Just you know, insurance and investing, they just don't belong together. 
So shop for a term life policy online at a site like Policy Genius that gets quotes from a dozen of the biggest insurance companies out there. Your family will be covered in the case of an early death, and it won't cost you much at all either. And then you can take that difference in premium price, which could be hundreds of dollars a month, and then you can take that money and invest it in a Roth IRA instead. Yeah, lower fees. Kina's you know, life insurance will be taken care of. Uh, she'll be investing more than she otherwise would be, and she doesn't have to deal with a cash value life insurance policy, which is complicated and also just isn't going to provide the returns that she needs. So Kina, we would just say, yeah, avoid cash value life insurance altogether and go the simple route, which is going to be better for your finances altogether. All right, Matt, let's get to a couple more questions, including in just a minute, our youngest listener ever. We're going to have her question on the show. We'll get to those right after the break. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app 
Monarch. They make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, Joel, we're back from the break. And before we take that question from perhaps our youngest listener of all time, we've got a question from a listener who's maybe a little bit older than her. Let's hear that one now. Hi, man, Joel. This is Carl from Atlanta. I just graduated from Georgia Tech and decided to blitz through all of your episodes of the past three days. Having done that, I figured I might as well participate in Ask How to Money. Basically, over my three years in undergrad, I managed to pull together about 20K through winning engineering challenges, campus studies, and odd jobs. I specifically finished early to avoid having to take student loans. That's not an issue. So right now, this money's kind of just sitting around. My thought is to block out 4K of it for an emergency fund, but I don't know what to do with the rest. If my internship doesn't get canceled, I want to use my internship funds to open a Roth. But that leaves me with like 16k of this previous money. I understand I should dump about 40% of it in a high interest savings account, but being fresh out of college, what should I do with the rest? Just a heads up, I'm continuing with graduate school at Georgia Tech and was thankfully able to get funded as a grad student. Basically my tuition is going to get paid for and I'm receiving a small stipend, so more educational expenses are not really a concern for me. Thanks for any advice you may provide. Keep up the good work and I really enjoy the podcast, guys. Carl, thanks for your question. Glad to have another local Atlanta listener. And man, you listen to all of our episodes in three days. Some people would consider that torturous. <laughs> Other people might think that's physically impossible. I think you can you can do it if you listen at like eight times speed. You know, like <laughs> 8x. <laughs> that might be the best way to listen to us. Which, by the way, do you still listen at sped up? I know you used to do it at like 1.25, 1, 1. 1.5. Oh, I'm, I'm more like 1.5, 1.75. Are you really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. What? I, can't even, I can't even really enjoy it if I listen to it that sped up. I, I'm a traditionalist man <laughs> one x all the way no i mean there are just a lot of podcasts i like to listen to and i wouldn't get to them if it weren't for that yeah i and just delete those <laughs> <laughs> i just marie Kondo those things from my life <laughs> man i i'm also often listening for kind of the overarching theme of the podcast and less for the specifics and the nuance of it mm. um i get that which uh that fits your personality <laughs> that and, and me listening at one x also fits my personality so. yeah i don't know what that says about me if it's good but not that, surprised it's that's good. what i do so all right but Carl, you must be frugal to have saved that much money while in college, which are typically the most frugal times of all of our lives. And and right off the bat, we do love the idea of keeping at least 4K in an emergency fund. That's going to really help you out. And in, in particular, with the uncertainty in our economy these days, having that solid emergency fund is a great move. And it sounds like you're in a sweet position with your additional education and no tuition, plus that stipend for grad school. Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. That's great, right? <laughs> that's it. And if your expenses are going to remain low, then you should definitely be looking to invest a portion of this additional money you've got. Yeah, Carl, what's great about that grad school setup that you've got going on is that your stipend is not counted as wages for tax purposes. 
but it does count as income, which is great because that means you can then open up that Roth IRA with a great low-cost investment company like Fidelity, Vanguard, M1's great as well. Since you can put in $6,000 a year into that Roth, we would recommend that you go ahead and toss as much in it uh, as you can now. And then if possible, put another $6,000 in it come January. And so, boom, that's $12,000 right there. You've, we've already mentioned $4,000 that's going to be in your emergency fund. So that's sixteen. Now we've only got $4,000 left to deal with. Yeah. By the way, Matt, I'm going to ask my employer if I can get paid a stipend instead of a, sal- a salary because <laughs> it sounds like it is better for tax purposes, right? Yeah. What's technically required to be able to call what we earn stipends, not salaries? That's a good question. That sounds great. I didn't delve that far into it. <laughs> uh, and so, Carl, we would say with that last you know, normally we'd also recommend to, to set aside some of that money either for additional investment opportunities, maybe seed money for a side business that you wanted to start. But with grad school on the horizon for you, entrepreneurship probably isn't your likely next move, or at least it's not in your super immediate future. So we'd recommend that you take 10%, maybe more, have some fun with that money, maybe travel when normal travel starts to kind of resume, or setting aside some of that money for experiences that you really want to have, at least the ones that are still possible these days, right? Or start saving up for your next big purchase, maybe a sweet bike, or maybe even like a triplex, right? (laughs) That's going to be the next great investment where near the school where you're currently going, near Georgia Tech, and you can rent out the other parts to other students. Students. Four grand probably isn't going to get you very far in the down payment, but at least it can get you kind of started in that direction or, or other things to think about. But also don't be afraid to have fun with your money because Matt and I fully believe that there is a really important need to enjoy some of the money that you have and not solely be thinking about your financial future. So Carl, congrats on being in great shape financially, right? You know, starting investing this early uh, in your early 20s. And then on top of that, graduating with zero dollars in student loan debt. You're just in a, a fantastic place. All right. Well, Joel, it's time now for our last question. And this is from our young listener out there on the West Coast. Let's hear it. Hey, Joel and Matt. My name is Lila. I'm 14 years old and I'm from California. I am a circus performer and I'm starting a podcast called The Little Circus with one of my friends and teammates. I have been listening to your podcast for a while and absolutely love it. I wanted to ask how you edit and publish your podcast. Thanks. Lila, we're so glad to have you as a listener and so happy to take your question on the show too. You're definitely the youngest listener we've had reach out, let alone send us a question. And we hope that we can have a positive impact on your endeavors to create this podcast. And Matt, one thing I want us to mention, because when we were just answering Carl's question about investing, well, Lila has this incredible opportunity being just 14 years old uh, for compounding returns to drastically change how much she is able to have in retirement. So Lila, I promise we're going to get to your question in one second. But if you start (laughs) investing while you're this young with some of your earnings from the circus or potentially from podcast income, you'll have a ton of money saved for retirement someday. Basically, uh, Matt and I ran the numbers. A 14-year-old, which is you, saves $3,000 annually for eight years, putting the money into a Roth IRA account. And let's say you just stopped when you were age 22, right? You would still have almost a million dollars by the time you turn 65. And that's just pretty incredible. I just wanted to throw that out there as motivation that a small sum of money invested for just a small handful of years can turn into something gigantic because of the power of of compounding returns. It's pretty incredible. 
That's the power of compounding interest, man. Uh, so Lila, you know, congrats on getting ready to start a podcast. It is a ton of fun. Uh, and when it comes to editing, uh, we use Adobe Audition to edit. Joel's specifically been using Audition for the past 15 years, and it's a really great product. But there are great free ways for you to edit podcasts as well, because that Adobe Audition program comes at a premium. Uh, and so check out GarageBand if you happen to have a Mac. Uh, if not, or even if you do have a Mac, you can check out Audacity as well, which you can get online uh, as a free download. It's an open source software. Those are both really solid free editing programs that will allow you to, to tweak and enhance your sound with different manual changes you can use or by just using filters. Yeah, editing is certainly a helpful thing to understand. And in addition to the fact that some of these editing programs are free and they've gotten pretty good. And at the same time, you can search for YouTube or blog posts on how to make your audio sound great before you press record on your first episode, right? It's so important that you have a good setup and that you work to reduce noise in the room when you're recording. Some of this is trial and error. Like for example, Matt and I used to sit in a big empty room uh, upstairs at his dining room and that gave us a lot of echo in our recording. But if you could sit in a small quiet room with lots of rugs and curtains, some things that kind of help dampen that sound, then you'll find you'll get a better audio result. And when it comes to hosting and how you get your podcast up, everywhere so people can listen to it, well, we would recommend Buzzsprout. There are lots of great, super cheap hosting platforms for podcasts. Buzzsprout is one that we used for quite a long time, and we had a great experience with them, and we thought their pricing was pretty great too. And at the same time, they'll make it super easy for you to push your podcast out everywhere so that Matt and I can listen to it or anybody else who's currently listening to the show and wants to know more about The Little Circus and what you're up to. Yeah, so Lila, thanks so much for your question. And you know what? Drop us a line once uh, The Little Circus, once your podcast goes live. Uh, we would love to give it a listen and to, to hear what life is like on the inside of a, an artistic high caliber circus that you're a part of like that out there in California. Yeah, Matt, you got requested to be in a low grade circus one time, right? Because you got these like... Really and weird. I accepted because <laughs> I'm all about... <laughs> you got some weird talents, man. Yeah, one of the things they called me on for was to talk about beer. They wanted to know what my thoughts were on specific beers. And I said, no, nah, I've got a podcast for that. <laughs> Just tune into that. Yeah. You'll find out. <laughs> yeah, well, Lila's super cool. Really interested to see what she does with the podcast. And the great thing is, Matt, anybody can start one. And with just a, a few little things, you can make it sound so much better than the average podcast that gets released. And it's just so fun because you can be as creative as you want to be with it. And so like you said, I mean, we have had uh, a great deal of fun creating this show, making it our own, developing a community around it. And I think Lila is going to be able to do the same with The Little Circus. So, all right, Matt, let's get back to the beer that we had on the show today. This one's called Blanky Kong, and it's a <laughs> tropical IPA <laughs> from Savannah River Brewing Company. You, know, you said Blanky Kong at the beginning of the episode, too, and I thought by the end of it, you would, you'd call it Blanky Kong, because oh. it's like Donkey Kong. Yeah. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah, it's like Sauvignon right. Blanc hops or, or whatever, but it's Hel not... Hellertau Blanc hops. There you go. It's not Sauvignon, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's Blanc, like... You know, like the French say. That's a good point. <laughs> I'm not very refined. <laughs> but yeah, this beer was, was really interesting. Sent to us by listener Jeff from Augusta. And Matt, I'll give my thoughts first real quick. This definitely tasted like an IPA that I would order on like a tropical vacation. Mm. I feel like it, it had a lot of those tropical tones uh, coming through because of the hops. Like there weren't actually any fruits put into this beer. It was just the hops kind of coming forward and shining through. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. I like a nice tropical IPA every now and again. Yeah, I wonder if they make it from Savannah River water. <laughs> Maybe. I guess after it's cleaned. Yeah. But I'm just, <laughs> I still love Blanky Kong so much. That might be like the most Southern thing you've ever said. <laughs> it also makes you think that I'm like, he's holding a blanket or something, you know, his blankie. 
Well, you have very refined taste in beer. I'll say that, Joel. You know, as we poured this one, it poured a nice hazy golden color. Definitely had that tropical nose. It smelled really good. And to me, it had a lot of pineapple flavors going on. Uh, a little bit of that freshness because the beer was like kind of tingly. So it made me think it was really fresh. But it also kind of reminded me of the pineapple flavors that you get out of one of those dull metal tubs of pineapple juice. You know, oh, like yeah. imagine taking the little triangle puncher and you like punch one hole on one side and then you punch the other hole on the other side so it can breathe. And then you pour out all that pineapple juice. I got to think that maybe that was part of their brewing process. Maybe not. I don't want to offend. Like maybe they only use, you know, the finest, freshest ingredients. But I think it's really good. Hey, I'll, man, I'm not against. I pine- love those old flavors. Yeah, I'm not against pineapple juice in my IPA. Like, yeah. I'm all about weird concoctions and interesting new attempts at making something unique and delicious. And yeah, I thought this beer, Blanky Kong, was, yeah. <laughs> was very good. So yeah, another big thanks to Jeff for sending this one our way. Yeah. Plus, it's got a really cool illustration. The labels are really tight. I love the uh, all the colors. It's got all those tropical, fun colors on there as well. Makes me feel like I'm in a tiki bar. Which are awesome. I love tiki bars. Me too. Uh, all right, man. Well, that's going to be it for this episode. Listeners can find our show notes up on our website at howtomoney.com. Yeah. And if you are an awesome person, you've been listening for a long time, but you unawesomely have not left a review yet, <laughs> we would greatly appreciate it if you would hop on over to Apple Podcast and take 20 seconds to say something nice about the show. It helps other people find out about our podcast so that they too can take more control over their money, having better financial results. And that's what we're all about. All right, Matt, that's going to be it for this episode. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.